everyone. Welcome back to Comics Is Are Better. Um, with me today to talk about some great indie comics is uh, Brian. Hey, everybody. And Darcy. Hello. So yeah, we got news, some quick hits, and we're going to be talking about the graphic novel Papaya Salad by Elisa Machalari uh, from Dark Horse. It's a translation of a, an Italian comic. Uh, really excited to talk about that one. And yeah, that's, that's what we got today. So we're going to lead off some news. So uh, Darcy, uh, what news do you have for us? Um, uh, I've got two things today. The first thing is uh, a Kickstarter that's been launched by Magnetic Press. Uh, it's basically for two graphic novels. The first is uh, Brindle. Um, it's an original graphic novel from Frederick uh, Bremond. Uh, and Frederico, which is, I think, really fun, <laughs> Berticelli. Um, and if you contribute to uh, Brindle's campaign, uh, you get to be one of the first people that gets on Love the Mastiff. Uh, love graphic novels are kind of a series of disconnected but um, similar graphic novels that are about animals they're silent graphic novels technically french but silent so if you don't speak french totally cool um that uh animals just kind of living their daily lives uh, my favorite is the tiger or le tigre i think i again don't speak french yeah, um, right. so it's it's a really good if you're into love it's a really good one to back um and if you're into kind of dark fairy tales, uh, Brindle is just kind of like a really good one to back, period. Uh, the art on Love is absolutely kind of hyper-realistic, uh, full color. Uh, if you're into uh, almost kind of picture book, kind of mm. natural picture book sort of storytelling, this is very much for you. Uh, if you have children, uh, who like picture books, this is very much for you. If you like silent storytelling, this is very much for you. It's very realistic, very serious. Uh, uh, the Tiger is kind of a very serious story, almost a very dark story because they are very realistic. I cried at the end of it. It's kind of very Aww. sad. Um, and the Mastiff kind of looks uh, along that lines. I think there's, I haven't read it yet, but I think there's one that's the dinosaur, which kind of isn't along Ooh. the lines of super realistic, but, you know, kind of cool. Uh, yeah. The Brindle, however, is a dark fairy tale, and, and that seems pretty interesting. It's about human characters, but also just a little bit more beautiful but still has that sort of natural feel to it so it definitely fits along that same line that you see with love so it kind of they're connected in that way still beautiful glorious natural realistic art yeah so yeah yeah i'm, I'm, I'm definitely intrigued about that dinosaur one now um <laughs> I'm, I'm curious if they they and, and uh, as you probably said they probably do actually go to the actual science behind dinosaurs, like the feathers and maybe probably, probably not the goose honking they just discovered, but just, I don't know, the dinosaurs were more like really similar to birds rather than reptiles. Yeah, it is a little bit older, not totally, totally older. So I'm oh. not sure. I'm, I'm not sure when it was. I think that's the only one I haven't read. So I can't give a whole lot of information behind it, but um, I think it's a little more reptilian. 
Oh yeah, no, that's totally okay. Um, I, I know there was an old, really old comic, um, Tyrant, by Stephen Bissett, who you may know from Swamp Thing, and it was it was showing like the life the lifespan of a dinosaur. So and and but he, he never ended. He never finished it, sadly. So I don't know. The dinosaur did. never died. Yeah, because <laughs> it was the '90s, and he was doing this like uh, yeah, almost silent comic about like the life of an animal when you know everything was like guns and pouches and stuff and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's that's kind of what this is it's it's the life of an animal only so you know cool. it's just a singular graphic novel and it fulfills that sort of one storyline brindle isn't that you know you've got a kind of human character it's fairy tale so you've got sort of these cute fairy tale characters along with it but it it fits in i think well with the love uh it's not the love canon, but if you were buying for love, I think you would also probably like Brindle. Nice. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think I mentioned earlier today that I, my new like jam has been dark fantasy and dark like fairy tales. And so Brindle sounds just right up my alley. And yeah, I think you should look, I think you'd probably really like it. I will definitely check out. I get paid on the 15th too, so this is perfect. Oh, <laughs> so, there you go. And then um, lo- um, love. Um, Mastiffs are a very underappreciated dog. And so I'm, they really I'm are. More, more than happy. I mean, they're basically the basis of almost every single European be- breed, you know, uh, continental wise. So it's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Yay. Ooh. There's a lot of Mastiff in Education. A lot of dogs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty cool. No, I'm a I'm a I'm a huge like dog breed nerd. I watch the uh, Westminster Dog Show every year, you know. And now, <laughs> you know, we just got a dog in March, and I I'm actually like counting down the days till we can watch the show with my dog. And like, oh, look, it's other dogs. <laughs> so. yeah. That's I'm, adorable. I currently I'm currently showing a uh, Tervis with a blue tick coonhound nice. on the screen right now. So that is, I love it. it. Yeah, uh, Brian, you have some news for us today. A couple couple quick ones, right? Uh, yeah, I do actually. Um, let me pull that up real quick first. Um, so Dan Rather, um, America's <laughs> newscaster, uh, he's um, creating he's creating a, a graphic novel. Um, I, I I'm imagining it might be a little bit ghostwritten, um, and art is actually by Tom Foley. Uh, it's being written with uh, Elliot Kirshner. It's kind of a um, a response to the last few years of. Um, of the of America, and uh, and the po- the political scene and political climate of uh, of the U.S. and it's it's called um, it's going to be called uh, what unites us and it's kind of an attempt to to look at what patriotism is, is and what exactly it is and and trying to discover a non hate version of. Of patriotism, the one that everyone can get behind, not just people who have are kind of close-minded, you know. So it's good luck to him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, it's an attempt, and I know he's he's got to be what 80, 85 at least. <laughs> you at know? least, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's kind of cool to see someone kind of come out of retirement and be passionate about something and 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 write about it. But you know, he's got we'll, a good Facebook. Yeah, oh, and Twitter. I like his Twitter a lot. Did not know that. That's awesome. His, his tweets are always going viral. So that's pretty cool. Um, just something yeah. to keep keep an eye out for in the next few months. I don't think a, a release date has been has been given yet, but it's been kind of announced. 
um, for Wor- World Citizen Comics. Is yeah, the name. I, I've not heard of them. Yeah, <laughs> so well, you know, um, is it I is think, it just a comic or is he doing? Is it like a comic based on like a prose book? Um, it looks like it's it's uh, just a regular comic. That's cool. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah. It looks like it looks like he gave the book to he co-wrote it and then he gave it to an artist and the artist kind of created panels and stuff um like a normal book the marvel way <laughs> kind of dan rather <laughs> doing the marvel method yeah. <laughs> oh man cracks me up that's great and you got another just, bit of news um yeah i do um Okay, so uh, as a lot of you probably already know that uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, had a, an R-rated uh, book that came out called The Last Ronin. Um, turned out it was very popular, you know, um, you know not surprised. And so um, Kevin Eastman and, and Tom Waltz, the creators, uh, Kevin Eastman being one of the original creators of TMNT, uh, have come out and said that they are more than excited and already actually already planning more R-rated like sequels, prequels, um, any type of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle books. So they're definitely um, going, you know, for, for a new demographic. Um, well, I guess the same demographic, but uh, they're kind of growing up with the audience uh, that has been checking, you know, out their books since the, the late 80s and early 90s. So, you know, it's it's kind of cool to see a series grow up me personally i'll i'll read anything you know like all ages or r-rated or whatnot it doesn't matter to me but i know for some some readers they prefer the r-rated because it's more real more gritty and <laughs> so i mean they're ninja turtles but yeah more realism comes in there but and i mean like and like the fact that their response to you know the original gritty comic writer you know, um, Frank yeah, Miller. the original was pretty gritty. Yeah, I really want to go. I really want to go back and read it because I love Frank Miller's Daredevil, and I really want to see how they riff on it and kind of yeah. just the early, the early. Yeah, because you know it's such. I mean, I, I didn't know Ninja Turtles was a comic for until like years and years. Because I mean, I just got the cartoons and the, the video games, and then the the mall was the, the mall. Movie. Yeah, exactly. I think I, I don't think I've ever seen the live action movies. <gasps> Have oh my gosh. not? No. That, oh my okay. gosh. <laughs> puppetry wise, some of the greatest puppetry, some of the greatest like <laughs> practical effects ever. It's not bad. I mean, I mean like, it is now, but when I was a kid, it yeah, wasn't as bad as people. You know, you watch some of those shows that rip on it. I loved it when I was a kid. I mean, um, Jim Henson helped make them. Ooh, so, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that's pretty awesome. Like, right yeah. There. I'd rather go back and watch those and see like the the Michael Bay ones. Those those designs oh, no. are just so bad. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's so, the thing yeah. is that the the these the practical turtles from the the nineties movies are look more realistic than the CGI weird ones from the Michael Bay movies. Interesting. <laughs> I again, I don't see. I don't. Again, I don't see. They look. They look, they look see, yeah, this is realistic, but they look better. For as, as good as a Ninja Turtle could look realistic. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see them? I see them all the time. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> when I'm on my way to the doctor, I see them all the time. Uh, so speaking of kind of gritty and just uh, just great all-around artists, um, this past week, uh, Richard Corbin passed away. He's, he was 80 years old. Um, he's, I don't know, he's, he's definitely a master of a horror genre. He did a bunch of stuff for heavy metal back in the day. He's, he did a bunch of like album covers. I know he did the uh, Bad Out of Hell album cover for, for Meatloaf. And then he, he was still working as a cartoonist even into his 
seventies and eighties. He did a run on Hellblazer, some really good Hellboy. I think it's like Hellboy in South America. That was really good. And uh, some Edgar Allan Poe adaptations and just stuff for Marvel, like little stuff. So he was, yeah, he was, he's one of those guys who like, if you're a horror artist working in, you know, this time, like everyone's, you know, influenced by him for sure. Definitely part of the Mount Rushmore of that era of, of artists, you know, I mean, he's a big, big name and definitely a big influence. Yeah. And again, I horror comics, if you read them, like you said, you are aware and heavy metal comics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's sad, but it happens. And definitely my sorrows for absolutely everybody who is sad about his passing it's terrible but it happens yeah and just i don't know and he just his style is just so distinct like some creep just you get you open his book and you see the creepy creepily posed figures kind of half painted you know because he did do a lot of painted art but he also you know was, was good at cartooning and it just like it just like though it just sticks in your brain forever i forget what it was like one of the his more recent ones were Dark Horse, and there's just a scene of this just like rotting, like half like bone heart, like all the organs out on a tree, and just like I don't even remember the context around it, but it just sticks in my brain forever. Um, yeah, I remember that. I mm -hmm. I don't know the context either, but I absolutely know what you're talking about. And yes, it was very friggin' weird. Yeah, I was just I was just really impressed by like you know him in his late seventies, just still still killing it. Mm -hmm. And I was glad that Dark Horse, you know, gave him that freedom. Um, totally. So, yeah. Uh, Darcy, you had another another thing of news for us? Uh, yeah, another YA graphic novel that's been uh, taken up. Um, it's by Jarrett Melendez and Danica Bryan. It's a debut graphic novel. It's going to be colored by Hank Jones uh, and lettered by Hassan Otsumane. Elahu and going to be released on 2022 by Oni Press. Um, it is, we like to talk, we have talked so much about food comics. Uh, <laughs> so I saw this and was like, oh my gosh, another food comic. <laughs> and so it's called Chef's Kiss and it's a queer YA graphics novel about a young chef who's having problems getting a job in the uh, food industry. And he kind of is only able to find one cooking job. And it's sort of a job that takes, or a comic that takes place in a restaurant, but also a little bit of a romance. And so it reminds me Dude. so much when I saw it, it reminds me a lot. I was like, oh, this is so much. It's like a webtoon or a manga, but it's very, the art's very Western. The food looks delicious in the like one or two page previews I looked at I was like I want to eat that so the art looks great the story reminds me of a lot of stuff I read just on the regular and I am here for it because I like food comics so mm -hmm. chef's kiss it's something to look forward to give it a yes. chef's kiss Exactly. Yeah, it sounds so fun. Oh my gosh. It's got a great title. It's yeah. such a it's such a manga or webtoon title. And I am just so excited. I, I am being reminded that I haven't eaten dinner yet just by looking yeah. at these these panels. I'm yeah, getting I'm, hungry. 
I'm like mainline beef jerky. I'm so hungry. <laughs> nice. That's um, awesome. Poor West Coasters. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and and uh, Brian, you had one last uh, bit of news. Yeah, one last thing. Um, I wanted to bring this up because we've we've talked you know uh, in in depth about uh, Kickstarter and the the pros and the cons of of Kickstarter. So. Um, there's a Donny Cates book that had originally come out for um, for heavy metal uh, called uh, A Tomahawk. And at first, when I read this, I was like, "Oh no! Like this is another name, a big name going to going to Kickstarter for no reason at all." But it turns out that this is actually for a action figure of the character from a tomahawk which you know i could totally see that because you know a, a toy company is not going to back you know a random heavy metal character <laughs> no matter yeah. who's, who the writer is and so and now the big benefit of it and the reason why it kind of came across my my notes here is because um turns out that grant morrison's actually writing an origin story of the character of a tomahawk and if um they reach i believe a fourteen thousand dollar uh level on the kickstarter uh anybody who who donated ten dollars or more will be getting a copy of that grant morrison's character book so that seems like just for ten dollars alone for a grant morrison you know like uh pros you know like, like that that's fine by me like even if you don't want the action figure but action figures are cool so i would like that too so so grant is grant's doing grant's doing it they're, they're doing a, a pro story yeah i believe i believe it's a it's a pro story it's definitely a, a kind of one-shot uh introduction um with uh, ian biederman is the uh is the artist that's going to be doing it and mentions that ian, ian biederman will be painting every page so looks like it's going to be kind of like that watercolor type type page awesome yeah that sounds cool yeah i haven't i've i'm like i think I'm, i was vaguely aware of a tomahawk and it's a very donny cates idea so um yeah i don't i don't know if i would get a toy of it but i'm uh, yeah. <laughs> i'm uh, I'm gonna definitely look into the, the Graham. I mean, I'm a huge Graham Morrison fan. I'm definitely interested to see like him kind of playing, like him kind of not really collaborating, but like kind of playing around in, in Donny Cates' sandbox. Oh, to to bring this back actually to um, a previous episode of ours, uh, it turns out actually the artist Ian Biederman is a uh, tattooist, and uh, that's oh, yay. yeah. So, and I'm looking at the artwork right now, and you can definitely see the tattoo influence. Um, in, in his in his style and uh it's mentioned in the uh in in the the little blurb about it that it's a face melting no fucks given story <laughs> so sounds sounds about sounds about right it's cool yep. it's very cool um, it sounds like the way metal should have been <laughs> yeah um <laughs> not to not to throw shade you're totally you're totally i love it yeah. there's metal and then there's death metal and yeah you know. <laughs> the death of me metal oh my gosh. wow <laughs> uh speaking of i don't know this is batman adjacent uh so gillen march um yeah you might be familiar he's done a lot of books for a uh, dc but he uh I think he's French and he he's done a bunch of like creator owned work for uh, over overseas. So image is actually going to, is going to uh, publish 
uh, Carmen, which is a fantasy comic written, drawn by, by Gil and March. And it was originally published in Belgium. And it is a, it is gorgeous. So it's like, it's this like skeleton girl um, wandering through the surreal world. It's like amazing. I'm like, it's it basically shows you like, like what his art would be if he, you know, he wasn't doing deadlines and the colors are gorgeous, like lots of pinks and blacks and, I don't really know a lot about the story, but I think it's about a girl who, who committed suicide and, um, and she's like traveling around with, a, with an angel named Carmen. So I think the girl's the skeleton. I don't know. It, it, looks, it looks really cool when I check it out. It's like, it's way different than you would expect from, from Gil March, like if you've only seen his American stuff. But I'm glad. Yeah. yeah. I, I have only seen American stuff and there's, this is world's different. You know, like there's definitely a little more time taken with the characters, and it's not—I mean, at least from the pages I see, it's not as pervy as he can get. <laughs> well, I think, so. I think it's the thing—the thing with him, and then like also like if you want to, you know, go 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 way back, go like the Milo Minara, like mm-hmm. like they're they're it's like we it's like weird. It's like you're gonna get like an erotic artist to do a superhero comic. Like that's just true. It's just but, I don't know. It's like. It's you get what you paid for. Very mismatched. Um, yeah, for sure. But I mean, but Gillen March. I mean, he's. I, I like his art. I like you know. I like. I didn't like his work on Catwoman. That was really bad. The New Fifty Two Catwoman. Mm-hmm. But I've liked his recent Batman stuff with uh, James Tinian and Carmen looks amazing. And I'm glad like uh, it's getting translated because I don't know French. So <laughs> no, it it definitely does look good. All all shadiness uh, aside, it does look really good. Nice. Yeah. And then I'm going to throw in at another um, new image book coming out. Uh, I love kaiju comics and just kaiju <laughs> stories in general. And about a week ago, they uh, just announced Image and Skybound, which is Robert Kirkman's company, announced uh, James Heron's Ultra Mega. Um, it's a kaiju tokusatsu comic. So basically, yeah, giant monsters, giant like things fighting the monsters, I guess. And it's James Heron. He's a really good artist. Lots of good detail in his work. He's writing and drawing. And then Dave, the great Dave Stewart's doing colors. Mm-hmm. And basically, yeah, there's a plague that turns people into kaijus and they're fighting, fighting back against it. So it's like pretty basic, but I don't know. It's just, it just seems something I'm into. And the, and the art looks amazing and, and the colors too. So definitely going to check it out. Definitely don't need a complicated story for tokusatsu or right. or kaiju yeah that's that's what i that's why i like really disliked about some of the recent um godzilla films that the american ones like mm-hmm. they, they they spend so much time with these like paper thin like human characters who are you know happen to be played by famous actors yeah when, like i just want to see godzilla fucking nuclear breath some cities and then have some like have like Ghidorah come out and just like wreck shit and then have like mothra be all ethereal like that's what i want i don't want like i don't need to know like yeah yeah so. i want i want godzuki personally <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> but uh yeah i mean this is like the third kaiju comic coming out for image so mm-hmm. thank you for indulging me <laughs> sounds good yeah so yeah that's all the news for this week there was a lot actually um so we're gonna move on to the quick hits so uh brian you have few quick hits this week so what's what's going on 
Okay, so a few weeks ago, there was a sale um, that Shortbox was doing, kind of a save our business sale, a uh, sidewalk sale, um, where uh, due to the pandemic, um, they had really suffered in in their business. And Shortbox is is probably one of the best places to find good indie voices, very very diverse voices. So was more than happy they had a um a sale for 24 hours where a lot of stuff that wasn't usually on sale was available and plus also like everything in their in their in their um like their regular store yeah. was was for sale like 30 percent off for um for an hour on both saturday and sunday so i ended up getting five books and read all five of them recently and they're all fairly short so i just wanted to quick just do a quick uh, review of all five of these. Um, yeah, do a little, little, little speed. speed yeah. Round, yeah. So, so starting, uh, I wanted to start with the bleak ones first. The first two, first two are definitely bleak comics. Um, first one is Homunculus by Joe Sparrow. Um, it is about an AI that is created basically right before the end of the world. Um, it's it's um, it's the entire book is written or drawn in the perspective of the um, of Daisy, which is the homunculus, the uh, the computer, and um, so it's very static. Um, the only the only movements that are going around are the are the people or like the and then eventually the world ending and the the building collapsing around Daisy, um, and so essentially it's about the the end of, of society and the 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 kind of the pro the 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 interlude of society and then the beginning of, of a new society and it's very interesting um it's really cool how every it's every single panel i'm sorry every page is three is three panels and it's it's basically the same view every single every single page every single panel but it obviously changes a little bit because the world ends around it so very well drawn very nice book it'll definitely make you cry um it's it's pretty good um the second bleak one is gonzalo it's uh after uh, basically global warming has destroyed california and there's no more bears um but um one grizzly bear is found and there's it's this is the story of a robotic kind of cyber netic bear that is created to help protect and raise the small bear so that they could hopefully find it a mate and have it repopulate the uh the um the bear society or bear bear bear, bear world um so they um so this is done in the perspective once again of a machine it's done in the perspective of the very human thinking ai of the um of the bear and and basically it's the bear is very motherly to the um to the little bear um basically just very protective and even goes against protocols that it's not supposed to you know supposed to do just to keep the bear alive very interesting kind of gets into the you know like very mythological aspects of like you know of of what bears are to us and to society and what they've meant for a while um it's very it's 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 very good um next one not as bleak minotaur it's about friendship which is friendship comics are always fun um minotaur it's it's about an ikea type place uh if you guys ever shopped in ikea you know that it's basically it's a maze and yep. oh, Min yeah. minotaur is obviously it's you know just like theseus it's a it's a maze 
and um and it's about these two friends who just moved in with each other and one of them is looking for a a piece of furniture to complete um their house with um called the minotaur and it's kind of a, a kind of entertainment system but then they have to go through the maze uh, of all the different displays um the 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 helpers are all blue skulled people and then they uh and like the information is basically the oracle um so it's it's very tongue-in-cheek and then it gets really into a very heartfelt you know like what makes a friendship a friendship at the same time um while digging through countless uh bits of swedish furniture so pretty good yeah and then Alyssa trayman's the artist on that um how does yes. her work on I, minotaur I have, compared to giant days I'm just curious. it's very it's very similar uh ver- the the you can tell by the shapes and the faces that these that, that um that Liz Trayman has worked was working on Giant Days and helped design the characters. Um, in fact, one the main characters looks like the surly one from Giant Days. The the well, smoke Susan, Susan Susan thank you yeah Susan Tommy <laughs> yeah. yeah and um I apologize so Minotaur is yeah Lisa Tra- Lisa Trayman uh, Gonzalo was written by Jed McGowan and art as well. Uh, and Homunculus is by Joe Sparrow. I think I might have said that one. Yeah. But uh, next one uh, is Cry Wolf Girl. It is a um, kind of a, a a look at the boy who cried wolf story. And it kind of looks into like, well, you know, if you're always told not to cry wolf, what do you do when there's actually wolves around? And, you know, like, because, uh, you, you know, if, even if you're not too sure, or even if you are absolutely 100% sure, do you ever want to cry wolf? Because, you know, it could be, you could be wrong and everyone's going to think that you're a fraud and when you yeah. actually need help, you know. So it's kind of like the the idea of when, you know, anyone who has been in in trouble or has had problems personally, you know, mentally, physically, and they don't want to always sound like they're complaining, this is very much an analogy to that, you know, like when is it okay to, to say that you need help, you know, essentially. And like, and, and it kind of has a message of like, it's okay. Anytime you need help to say you need help, you know, and just, you know, like go with it, you know, bear with it because, you know, if you need help, you need help and don't worry about what people are going to think about you. And that is written and drawn by Ariel Rice. And, uh, Last is Beneath a Dead Oak Tree by Emily Carroll. Um, this is a poem. And it's Emily Carroll, yeah, definitely has a very distinct style of art. This is very gothic, very, very dark. Um, it's about these fox people um, that uh, essentially there's one, it's very Victorian, where there's a suitor, um, uh, this one fox guy who who uh, basically swoons and like and and takes uh, um, women like makes makes them fall in love with them and takes them out to a tree and then disembowels and kills them and this one the main the the main protagonist of this book um, the kind of the person telling the story in this poem. Um, no, sees that this guy does this, but then purposely marries this person so that they can, in, in at the end, enact their own vengeance to uh, to this uh, this predator. Um, very bloody, <laughs> very very beautiful at the same time. So definitely 
um, a very interesting and good read. Thanks. All, all of these, definitely. So, uh, Brian, what was your favorite one of the five, the short box ones? Um, I actually really liked, um, actually, Beneath the Dead Oak t- Tree as, is probably just squeaks just above Minotaur for me. Yeah, you know, like those those two were were definitely my favorite. All five of them definitely worth getting. Definitely check out Shortbox if you have a chance. Definitely recommend it. Yeah, I, I've I haven't read any Shortbox books, but I always see them on the year end books, and I always it's always like great creators I know like getting to tell like cool cool kind of out of out of box stories, which I, I really appreciate. There was a Rosemary Valero O'Connell book that I believe is getting nominated for a bunch of awards this year, mm-hmm. but unfortunately it was out of my budget to get it. So I'm going to have to wait till the next uh, little sale that they have yeah. and pick that up. Yeah. I've seen that one like float around everywhere. And... Yeah. Cool. No, definitely. Yeah. Uh, Darcy, what was your quick hit for this week? My quick hit is also, I think we're going to talk about France a lot today, apparently. Uh, it is uh, Carmela Krim, Volume 1, Ramadan Blues. Um, it came out, um, in English at least, back in November, November 12th, I think, from Europe Comics. I don't actually know that it was translated, but I feel like it probably was. <laughs> uh, basically, it is Carmela Krim was a detective. Like, it's all she ever wanted to be was a detective in the police force. But she did a thing. Uh, she and her partner went on this raid and made a mistake, basically. And she kind of was the bigger person and took the fall for the mistake as opposed to having her and her partner take the fall. And um, it was kind of maybe the wrong decision because her partner is kind of an asshole. Uh, (laughs) But it's what she did. So now she's a private eye. And I really like her. She's kind of like a less uh, damaged Jessica Jones character, only European. (laughs) And she goes around doing the things private eyes do. And she meets up with, she gets hired by this woman whose husband recently died. And he was kind of a mob boss businessman who owned a football club. And now she's this woman in charge of a football club. And nobody likes that. And she hires Carmela to find out who murdered him. And offers her the services of her um, bodyguard. And so it's Carmela and her bodyguard. So it's kind of almost like Jessica and Luke to a certain extent. So it kind of has that feel to it. Only it's taking place in France. And there's uh, some French specific racial issues and racial tensions and religious tensions Uh that are going on. So there's a lot of sort of political intrigue or political issues that are being discussed that are very European centric, but I think are cross applicable to an American reader as well. Um, And it's just super interesting. If you're an American reader, you don't, you might have heard of some of these things, but you don't actually really understand them. So it's fun to read. But even if you don't necessarily care about any of that, the mystery aspect of it is super interesting. You know, it's a murder mystery. It's kind of a thriller. Um, and it's, it's just a really fun book. If you like Jessica Jones, um, definitely hop on this. It's super fun. 
the art's great. The coloring's excellent. Lots of yellows, which is super fun. So uh, you had recommended this earlier this week, and I, I checked it out as well. And I definitely, I, I love the less damaged Jessica Jones analogy. That's, <laughs> that's spot on. <laughs> and no, it was it was really good. I liked it, definitely. It was fun, and I, like, I would like to see more stories with this character and hopefully they can somehow work the bodyguard into the other stories too because he was such a great character he was i love that guy they i i read that they kind of were thinking about it it's not necessarily like it's it's they said volume one so hopefully they're not necessarily doing it but it's listed as a volume one so for goodness sakes do a volume two it's excellent they're being optimistic yeah. Uh, so, so is so is this like recent? So, are there other other volumes out in France? Or they didn't say anything about there being further articles. So, uh, as far as I know, no. Uh, it's by. Uh, oh my gosh, I'm gonna say his name wrong, and I feel super bad about it. It says Franck. Biancarelli. Bian Oof. I hope I said that correctly. Cool. Frank, Frank. That's all good. Yeah. I can't do accents. Yeah, it sounds like a like a really fun series, and you know. It was so good. I more. loved it. I had so much fun with it. Because you know, you know, PIs need multiple cases to get a get get some momentum going. They really um, do. Yeah. For sure, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Like the female PI genre is, is amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. shoot, you go back to the 80s with like Dakota North, and you know, and then you get into more recent stuff like like Veronica Mars, and I don't know. It's just I think there's a I think there's a Brubaker, Ed Brubaker, Marcus Martin comic called like Friday that um, also is like a female, a teen PI, all grown up. So um, yeah, it's it's cool. Um, it's like a fun little subgenre. So like definitely mm-hmm. want to. Check it out and you can get like more of a, a friend, like a European take on it for, for sure too. Yeah. Oh, speaking of European, um, we're gonna cross the English channel for my uh, my quick hit. And my quick hit is is very old. And the reason why it's my quick hit is because this week it actually drops. Um, it's it's the the article's out now. I'm starting a, doing a week weekly essay on Bonagram Singles Club by uh, you know Karen Gillan, Jamie McKelvey, Matthew Wilson, just. You know, just these these very obscure indie creators. Never heard of them. Who who have done some a little bit of work for Image, um, as as well as other publishers. Um, yeah, so so I like I like Phonogram Singles Club a lot. Um, a lot of people are like, if you could recommend one, Kieran Gillen or Jamie McKelvey trade. The people I always go with, um, phon- I know I go with Phonogram Singles Club even over things like Wiktiv, um, because basically it's uh, so the the premise of the the book is. It's uh, one night in a nightclub, in uh, indie nightclub in Bristol, UK, and it tells like a story of this this one night from seven different perspectives, seven different phonomancers' perspectives. And if you don't know what a phonomancer is, they they basically use music to create magic. Like there's this connection, deep connection. Um, like one of the issues, this this character pretty much does parkour to uh, Wolf Like Me by TV nice. on the radio. That's, that's the last, that's the last, I know, I did, it, but this comic came out like 10 years ago, so it's fine. That's a good song, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's, it's cool. And it's like a silent issue too. Like, hey. honestly, if I'm saying, if, 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 you, if you only read one issue of Phonogram Singles Club, read that one. <laughs> yeah. um, but this week I covered issue one, which is really cool too. 
Um, it's based on around the song uh, Pole Shapes by the Pipettes. Uh, they were big in the mid 2000s. They're basically if a 60s girls group um, had a little more, I don't know, edgy 21st century lyrics. Um, and and, uh, and it centers around this uh, 19 year old girl named, named Penny who is just obsessed with being the center of attention, the center of the crowd. Um, and also, also on this club night, you can't use magic. It's just, you just enjoy music. But of course she's using magic to try to get what she wants, trying to get the boy she wants, trying to get the song she wants played. Um, and, but then, then in the end it, it has like, and, and so she's like completely self-absorbed and McKelvey does a really good job of showing her friends. Just like, like she, she doesn't like ever talk to people. She's always just monologuing about how cute boys are and how, how much she just wants to dance. And she'll go off in the middle of conversations and just dance to different songs. Um, but, uh, but, but the end is, is, is really beautiful. And I think like the last two pages, you can kind of see like, okay, Gillen, McKelvey and Wilson, these guys are gonna be big because you get the gorgeous white colors, the background art drops out and she kind of realizes that, you know, it's okay like to just enjoy dancing and not have to worry about all the other magic and drama and stuff, so. Yeah, it's, I definitely recommend uh, Phonogram Singles Club and uh, it's, it's an older comic uh, and it's very, but it, I think it's, it's a lot more accessible than the other two volumes of Phonogram um, for sure. Have you, have you guys read Phonogram at all or? Yeah, a little bit. I don't think uh, I ever finished it. Did you start at Rue Britannia? The, the first volume? Yeah. Yeah. I always tell, I always tell people to start at volume two. Um, cause the first volume is very, if you're not into like nineties Britpop, it's very kind of dense and the main character is like a total asshole and not even in a, and I mean like it, he, you know, you see why in the end, but, but like it's Phonogram Singles Club is more fun. And even if you hate like the character that, that, uh, issue is about, like you'll get to the next issue and it's a different POV character with, you know, different tastes in music, different personality, different art style. Um, so yeah, it's. It's it's one of my favorites, and any fingers crossed down the road we cover it on the pod. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. sounds good. Ryan, have you read Phonogram? I think you'd be into it. Yeah, it sounds like it's exactly in my my bag. Dude, yeah, like it's, <laughs> but I have not. It. Yeah, I'm you would not. love it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I think you would really like it. <laughs> no, and I have. Um, I recently did the um, the. Uh, humble bundle for McKelvey and and Gillen and phonogram was part of that so yeah as it should be I have it it's free and it's on my tablet I just need to read it <laughs> so yeah well you know it's at least you're one step closer it's it's all yes. good yeah yeah I have a hardcover and it's awesome because they because also in a phonogram singles club they it has a b-sides at the end because it was like a 16 page comic with like six pages of like backup material kind of like Casanova so nice. you get to see a bunch of different artists. Um, I think like Emma Viacelli did one in Singles Club about um, uh, Wuthering Heights. So you get to see different kind of tastes of the British indie scene. So, yeah. Very yeah. Cool. All right, so we're moving on to our um, main course and that is Papaya Salad. So uh, this is Darcy's pick. So Darcy, would you like to introduce this book and uh, kind of say why you like it and all that good stuff? Okay, well, Introducing the book is a book I've already, I think, talked about twice on here. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was a looking forward for me, and I think it was also a quick hit for me. Uh, So I 
think probably anybody who's been listening kind of already knows what it is, but to reiterate for somebody who is new, uh, Papaya Salad is by Elisa uh, Messarelli. Uh, she is a Italian Thai uh, writer and artist. This book is a little bit older, but was only recently translated into English uh, by Dark Horse. It is a, a biography story about uh, her great uncle, who is a, he was a Thai man who grew up um, in the early 19, or in the early 1900s in kind of northern Thailand. He migrated to central Thailand and learned languages. He really, really loved languages and transferred to Europe kind of just as World War II got started. Um, and it was something he always, always wanted to do, like a lot. But then obviously <laughs> it's one of those things where your dreams coming true and then, oh no, <laughs> crap, <laughs> Hitler, right? It happens to everybody. Uh, but it kind of turned out really well for him because while he was there getting bombed, um, he fell in love with a woman who ended up being the love of his life and all this other nonsense happened, but he found the woman he ended up marrying and she finds out the story uh, when she was a young woman and meeting her aunt and uncle and ends up writing it down based on the story that she was told and reading uh, his diaries, Asampi is his name. Uh, and Lek is uh, her aunt's name. And just reading this book was so fantastic for me. Again, I've said it many, many times on this podcast and in real life and whatever. Uh, I lived in Thailand for many years. So just going back to any story that takes place in Thailand is very nostalgic for me. So I enjoy looking at those visuals. But the coloring and the art, but mainly the coloring, which is a lot of blues and teals and pinks and reds and oranges stunning for me just I would have bought it based on the colors alone even if the story was awful which it's not it's a great story uh, I, I would have been happy to read it just to look at these pages and these fantastic lush fresh colors that just make you happy to turn the page and see this beautiful vibrant page so the colors are basically the reason why i bought the book but the story's a nice bonus basically a nice bonus <laughs> sweet yeah no oh, you're so right about the colors um because I, I love how it's told like it's a bi it's a biographical comic but it's told almost in a like magical realism way it like I, there's one there's like yeah so like when they, I think they're, when they're going to one of the like prison camps, like uh, Sampong, he, he's like, he, he's trying to like, you know, keep strong and for the rest of the people he's with. Um, and he's like, it's like they're shooting arrows at him and he's like taking the arrows, which just tells him a lot about, a lot about his character. And then, and then you get like ones like the, 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 the gibbons in the tree, mm -hmm. kind of the relationship between, you, you see that him and Lek are really in love and, you get some nice reds and pinks and and it's just it just like flows so beautifully mm -hmm. like like the the double page spreads like 
some books like uh, double page spreads are just like, yeah, here's some cool pinup. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But like the double page spreads here are just, um, they just, they, they really connect to the theme of the story and as well as being kind of an art artistic showcase um, too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brian, what did you, uh, what'd you think of papaya salad? Um, I really enjoyed it. Definitely. Um, uh, I am, you know, so sometimes when you get a translated book, you can kind of guess how much time and effort has been taken in the translation. And unfortunately, sometimes it seems like it's a rush job. This is definitely not that case. Um, the translation is it's very, it's very ethereal. It goes well with the, uh, it goes very well with the, the imagery. Um, it's a, it, it, it's almost like I didn't realize it was the translation until until I you know I kind of read the 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 back matter and and like oh yeah I guess this was originally done in a different language um, and and it definitely does not take take away from the story it definitely adds to the story like a good you know good dialogue should and um, and yeah like as before you guys said the colors um, um, I think the the what what you were saying earlier about how even though it's a it's a biography biographical comic it has you know kind of otherworldly things going on and i think that that was a pretty genius move um by by the author to basically have this be a story being told by the elderly great uncle to the, the the kid who is the writer um and so he's he's telling the story so therefore you know there's going to be some way kind of embellishment and etheralness to it because this is not this is not coming from reality it's coming from how he remembers it and his feelings and everything so it's 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 has great little pictures of gods in it and it has you know kind of like what his thoughts like what you were saying with the gibbons you know kind of swinging in trees in front of the of the place where he was they fell in love with or he fell in love with his uh with his soon-to-be wife you know like uh it's it, it was very very cool uh definitely definitely enjoyed it yeah um i really liked the the way it was framed with the different recipes of the papaya salad and just and, yes. and also how the whole thing is like, the whole, it's all about like, or it's basically like, it's a comic, but it's also like oral storytelling. Mm -hmm. Like, like it's, it's, you know, they're having a big family meal. Um, she's like, uh, you know, in, in Bangkok at her, at her aunt and uncle's house. They have a huge, you know, huge food porn, full page um, table awesomeness. And she, she hasn't really had Thai food before. So she's kind of, um, kind of testing it out because uh, it's she's very young in this like you can tell it's like she's very young um, and then and then he kind of just he structures his narrative as like this recipe and then it kind of can and then it all connects so beautifully in the end and also yeah there's lots of hints of his like spirituality as well um, and that that's throughout the story like I think uh, when they're in uh, when they're in Germany the uh, the set that the, the land yeah they're, they're like a motley crew at this thai embassy in berlin i mean it's like the middle of world war ii it's like crazy um and there's this like landlady who kneels to the this um i want to say avatar of buddha i think the saturday avatar of buddha yeah and, it's the saturday with the snakes yeah yeah 
Um, yeah, I'm not an expert on Buddhism, but uh, yeah, thank you. And and she like kneels to him um, before they go into the uh, air raid uh, basement, and they're they're still and it kind of it just keeps them gives them hope. They stay standing in the middle of like this is like like just the middle of such a dark time. And I thought that was really cool, and like it it just organically interweaves in the story and the art in, in the story. Yeah, there's definitely hopefulness during the entire story, even during war, and they're getting bombed, and yet it's still kind of like, you know, it still seems, you know, it doesn't seem bleak, you know, it it definitely doesn't. <laughs> there well, are a lot of speaking of like the spiritual aspects or like the historical aspects. There are a lot of little things I liked. Uh, like when he was trying to figure out where, he, it, like if he should counteract his father's desire for him to be a doctor, uh, and the golden Buddha lost his um, concrete shell. That's something that kind of happened occasionally. There's a really famous Buddha in uh, Bangkok called the Emerald Buddha, which is in the palace. And the Emerald Buddha was for a long time covered in stucco and uh it was in it, they didn't people didn't know that inside was this buddha made i think pretty sure it's made of um uh, uh jade and it, it had just been covered in stucco for so long that people didn't know that it was this like beautiful emerald color and it came off and it was like oh it's this emerald buddha so it has like this history to it and you know who knows if this golden if this golden Buddha story is true for her uncle? But it, it has this historical connection to it. This was a thing that did happen. People did cover gorgeous Buddha statues with, you know, protective coverings to hide them from each other. Yeah, yeah, it was really cool because um, it. Yeah, it seemed like his parents wanted him to live this very regimented life where he, whereas he wanted, you know, you see him chilling out at the, in his uh, room, like reading the Sherlock Holmes books and just, just devouring languages and books, but his family wants him to follow this strict career path. Um, but yeah, and, and you can, you can just really see his passion for travel and languages, um, even though he decides to be passionate about those things during the worst possible time. Um, worst possible time. Yeah. I, I thought it was really interesting because, you know, now you're just like, oh, I want to go to Thailand. I'll just take a really long flight. But I thought it was really interesting seeing how, like, the different ways he traveled, like, like taking this, like, long bus at the, the Singapore. And then he gets on this ship and then sets off at this the then Italian colony of Eritrea and goes up the sweat. And it was just so cool seeing that journey and seeing his reactions to the different um, – the different kind of places and especially since he had lived really in in like one country his whole life and um he'd seen a little bit of the world through bangkok but he you know, definitely had a very like rural upbringing which mm -hmm. which is not which is nice you know he had a nice garden and except for i don't know the whole stuff the, the jungle stuff is like oh my it's so scary the tigers yeah <laughs> was, that a ta was that a was that a taper in in the in the art when he's like, sleeping was that I a taper so. That is so cool. That's really cool. And no, um, one thing also, this is definitely not a 
an American positive book. <laughs> oh and, no. No. And, and there's definitely and, some racism there oh, at the God. end. Yeah. It's and like and it's because it's funny too, because it's like it's it's nuanced obviously that you know that our, our characters are not, you know, pro Nazi or pro Axis and yet they get treated like they are because essentially one because of the decisions that they're the country that they are from made as well as what they look like and and it's it's sad and you know like but it's definitely poignant that it's like you know like you know you, you're not always the you know like when especially when it comes to stuff like racial matters and everything like that you obviously don't get to choose how people are going to perceive you and and really like once again it even though they're being pelted with uh with rocks and they're being they're being yelled dirty slurs at by by uh american soldiers this he still keeps uh kind of up you know like Sompi just keeps going and being very positive through the whole thing and it's like well you know he's like not gonna let this you know we're gone we're on the venture we're not gonna let this get us down and I liked the, with historical hindsight, um, which is something I think people are doing more and more of, which is good, uh, why people regarded Thailand the way that they did for some extent because of how Thailand, quote unquote, entered World War II. <laughs> uh, you know, like they didn't necessarily want to enter World War II. They were kind of. You know, yes, the pressures that were there. A lot of the people didn't necessarily want to enter World War Two. Exactly, and the thing is, is that the same sentiment wasn't done. You know, didn't happen to the the Polish or the Austrians, and you know the other people that were for the countries that were forced into on the European side. You know, they yeah. was yeah, of course, you know, just inherent racism. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like. Yeah, there's people now, like I was in a discussion with someone and they were, they were like justifying the, you know, the atomic bomb, justifying the internment camps. And that just fucked me up because it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, 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 how can you, I mean, how you can, how can you just, I mean, you're, you're just, you're, yeah, you're just, you're killing millions of people to, I mean, it's just, it's, there's no way to justify it. And, and the radiation. And I think, and I think that, yeah, like just seeing that the whole reaction to that from that, from the Japanese and in the Thai perspective of it, just like, I, like, cause usually like the, the, the dinner table is just like, they're, you know, they're, they're having a good time, enjoying food, even, even in captivity, you know, like those palaces and stuff, they're right. playing, bri- they love that. They love that. I have no idea how to play bridge, but. I think oh, neither do I. I was like, what are we doing here? But, but it is a decent job. Um, it's like, it's like in the James Bond movies when they yeah. play that one game. Right. <laughs> but, but yeah, but back to the, yeah, back to, and it, you just see that it's just like, it's like silent and just, cool chill like colors and versus just the the, the totally jingoistic celebrations and it's just, right it's just, it reminds you that they're people mm-hmm. yeah it's just like it's just like no one no like like there's there's no i mean it's completely unethical it's completely like no no human should have access to that kind of kind of like atomic power and i mean it's just it's so frightening and that, that anyone would do that and i i feel like a lot of like people in the united states are like like, like doing the whole devil's advocate, like, oh, yeah, Japan would have fought the last man. 
Like, you're right. Like, well, you don't know that. And also, you're killing civilians versus right. military yeah, personnel. Yeah, that's the, the, the thing is, yeah, they dropped it on, they dropped it on, yeah, civilian yeah. cities. They also created a barricade. <laughs> and around, then created, oh. then created the rest of history where we have to deal with mm-hmm. atomic bombs. We now have them and we have to deal with the fallout of that. Literally. <laughs> literally yeah, yeah. and oh, figuratively yeah, yeah no. i mean dropping I, the bombs yeah oh, oh go sorry. ahead you go ahead i i really liked you know talking about americans and that how they were in the story i i think we got a really good flip from the way world war ii is usually told or at least mm-hmm. the way we usually see world war ii told and it's probably because uh who was telling the story she's italian and thai <laughs> And so it's a completely different perspective than I usually see World War II stories, which are told by either Americans or British people. So who was the faceless, quote unquote, faceless mass in this story? Americans. Mm -hmm. They had the same opinion and they all kind of looked alike. Oh, yeah, they did. Oh, my God. You get the distinct designs for the different Thai characters and even the Japanese characters. Right. Um, No, totally. Absolutely, because even even like um, um, the the little girl, the the main character, the the one telling the story, um, I forgot Eliza. her name. Elisa, thank you. Elisa. So it's so it's it's just it's just her. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and um, and um, and her mom look look the same, but they're obviously different. And you know, everyone looks even even relatives. They they look everyone's distinct on on that side. And I really liked how she drew her grandfather through the sampang through the years, mm-hmm. like in his in his scale around the, which which it just like I like love when artists do that and it's it's just a great use of the comics medium, just like showing like when he's little and especially you know kind of when she's little she's like out of the out of the conversation doesn't know what's going on still trying to figure out what the world is and especially for sampang like the world's a scary place like he he doesn't you know he's afraid of the jungle. He's doing the, when he's rappelling up the mountain. He thinks it's kind of fun, but also. Oh, I loved that panel when he like mm-hmm. lets go and is like flying up that yeah. mountain. That's and a great it, panel. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Marshallari did a really, really good. Marshallari did a really good job showing like that kid's world, and then and then you get teenagers where he's more kind of kind of a little more trying to find his way in the world, trying to like who am I kind of thing, and then yeah, and then you get him in the present like in the military and he's very just trying to see the world and move up in the world and he has a very nice nicely pressed uniform even you know in the middle of the bombing he's like he's not slacking off he's still looking good um wearing that you know that uniform and mm-hmm. yeah uh i like when the kid perspective in the very beginning you know when when um emma first sees um first sees her her uncle and the panel of the first time you see the uncle is very scary like he looks frightening and and then obviously like the that perspective becomes very soft during the entire story but no i mean like when you're meeting older people when you're when you're young you know and like you're kind of told like you have to be respectful and you have to be nice and polite in front of in front of your relatives in front of like the older older people you get kind of 
you know, it's it's very nerve wracking, you know, when you first meet somebody, and kind of scary too, because he doesn't say a word to to the kid. He it's just he just stares at at her, and at first you're like, oh, like is, you know, like that's kind of like frightening, you know, like like is it like like is is this this guy is he going to be a nice person or not? Because when I first started reading this, I didn't know anything who was going to be telling the story. So, you know, it was it definitely changed as it, as it went through. I thought it was interesting that like things that could have been frightening, they didn't really focus in necessarily on the frightening parts of it. Like yeah. when Sompi went off for Lex's father, sent him off on that mission to go get uh, the soldiers kind of and bring them back. Like that's, what was that, 1917, that movie, that World War One movie that just came out yeah, last yeah. year? Like that's that's that movie practically he went out alone to go do this mission in the middle of a war all on his own to rescue people right Mm -hmm. uh that could be a war movie but we didn't really see it except for him eating the curry let gave him (laughs) yes um like all of these moments in the war that could have been super super scary like the scary parts weren't really focused on is like even in the scary time in this horrible horrible time uh, we're focusing on the happy parts of it or the optimistic parts of it or the parts where we show uh, the strength inside and so I thought that was very interesting because war stories tend to focus on either the really sad parts or the really scary parts or the really really dramatic parts and we focused on bridge (laughs) yeah it's very humanizing very humanizing that's very cool yeah yeah just just as darcy mentioned earlier it was just so cool because i mean yeah i've read, I've read watched a lot of things about world war ii which is interesting to get this distinct perspective you know you get you like like at the beginning i'm like he's talking about germany i'm like oh hitler and then like oh italy let's get you know more fascist but like you kind of see just how um just how you know complex it was you know moving between these these different countries and different um yeah, because these different countries, because, you know, Thailand's a neutral country, and mm-hmm. he, he's kind of just, he just wanted to see the world, but he's in the middle of a war, and, um, and the scene with Mussolini was, like, the big, was so disturbing, and, like, and they're talking about, like, how they're the only Asian people there at the, the, the big speech in Rome. I think mm-hmm. it's, like, I think that was, a, like, one of the really famous ones. I don't... Uh, mm-hmm. Well, like it the was big, the one where he entered the war, so I... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a famous one, like, the one in Rome, like, the big um yeah because and the the color work on that 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 double spread where it's just red and And, except for them where they stand out yeah exactly that's pretty cool i mean like and it's just great it's definitely they're they're like the sore thumbs in in this in this crowd Mm -hmm. yeah they're like uh we don't want to make italy great again (laughs) yeah Um. please take off take off that red hat please yeah, no, the thing, I don't know, I was watching this uh, Churchill biopic, and, like, it was kind of interesting, like, for a while, like, Italy was, like, kind of, like, this weird back channel, like, and honestly, I think there was, like, a back channel between the Allies and, and Germany, mm-hmm. and, and it's just, it's just, like, you never, like, I, like I'm definitely more interested in, and, because it was just, like, a different kind of fascism, and a little, like, I don't know, it just. yeah. <sighs> There wasn't as I, I mean I, it's been a while since I've studied it, but there wasn't as much like like hardcore nationalism, 
in the Italian fascism. But it was like a lot of pose. It was a lot of posing. It honestly reminds you yeah. a lot of like what Trump does now. Um, yeah. Like like I think Trump is definitely more of a Muslim. Was definitely is definitely more of a Mussolini. Just like posturing, like he's you know a Roman emperor or something. But he's not. He's this like you know chubby retired military general guy who talks really loud and didn't really have much success in the war. Um, uh, so yeah, but it's but no, but it's cool just getting that 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 very individual, like very personalized perspective on the events instead of just like a broader great like like I don't like that's what I like about history I like getting the just like individuals like perceptions instead of like the whole the whole like great man theory just just something about that really rubs me wrong like I like getting the you know the people's history for sure absolutely uh, I just got reminded of the the very humanizing moment is during that speech you know all, all you know they're all nervous or like that but right before the speech they were ordering gelato and and then and so it basically ends with like the, the the clouds coming in because it's the clouds of war and then the the last part of that chapter is is sampi ordering chocolate gelato you know like yeah. even even after hearing all of that he's like i still want ice cream you know maybe more than ever and that's that's his character i mean he, he loves yeah. he loves trying new things he loves food he loves seeing the world and so he's like oh this is a lot to unpack like how does this affect Thailand? Like, what's going on? Only ice like, cream. He's like, yeah. uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try ice cream. Like, imagine just having ice cream for the first time. Like, how awesome that is! That, that's like, holy. just that's wow. I wish I could go back and have ice cream for the first time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the food. Like, I love how food is just like a common thread. Like during the big moments, like, like it helps get them through. Um, living in the different prison camps. It brings the family together. Um, yeah. It's something they talk about when they don't have it. The whole, uh, if you don't eat your last grain of rice, I will. <laughs> oh, when they're was... in ration period. Yeah, that was some really good, yeah, because they had the, the dark humor in, in Austria. And it was interesting to see how like Austria was treated versus Germany because um, the Allies saw Germany as like a total enemy, total enemy, whereas Austria was more kind of an occupied country. And it's just, Oh man, it's just this. This really, this like, this like on the low, on a non, very non-preaching, and just like this is how it was. Is kind of like an anti-war comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like just, but not in like a. There's no polemics or anything. It's just like, hey, you know, like. It, War cause, sucks. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because you get like the perspective. Because because when you read about it, like, oh, good, they got Berlin, they got they got the Nazis, but then you just see how like you get the silent scene of the the allied bombers the different yeah. you know because the different factions will bomb during the day and you, and you just get it like it's just like these are just people i mean you're just destroying you know buildings and people and history and i mean yeah, yeah somehow this up. is the only building that's left because yeah. we pray to this one statue and and no it's totally like we we're talking about the humanizing part of this of the story I mean, like the the victories and all that stuff in the war is are, is definitely the political and like the country, and like you know the 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 political entities and and you know in at the at the base of it, all humans suffer during war. So it, it becomes an anti-war comic because it's about humans. It's about people. It's yeah. not about it's not about the army. It's about you know zombie. <laughs> and the winners are giant assholes. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> even even though they're fighting against a, a lot worse asshole that would have destroyed the world, but right. at the same time, it doesn't mean that everyone's right all the time. And you never see them. You never no. see the Germans. You never see Hitler. You see what you see. The, you see two German soldiers once, and they're they're surrendering, or four, rather, and that's it. Yeah, you see Hitler yeah, on the okay. cover of Time magazine, which is really interesting because mm-hmm. um, person, person of the year. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Oh, yeah I, I forgot that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you, you see, like, yeah, because you see it, like he he's just like, because like you know, like at that time, like he was just hitting like. Out in Thailand, he was just hitting the news, and you're like, "Oh, Germany's not so cool anymore." Like, <laughs> maybe I don't want to. Like at first, you're like, you know, Berlin's a great city, but then you're like, "Oh, you know, maybe yeah. this guy's crazy. I don't want to have any part of that." But uh, and it's it's so sad because like because like you get that great mo- like the montage of him like working his, his his little ass off trying to get get because there's only one scholarship, international scholarship. So he's just like he's he 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 gambled like it was such a huge gamble of him joining the military yeah. just for like a one in hundred something shot to be able to see the world because he could have been you know stuck he could have been in Thailand you know when J- Japan invaded and I mean it's like crazy like and you don't know like and you think about this in retrospect um, for sure. But uh, yeah, it could have been well, way worse for him. Exactly. I mean, who knows where the world would have taken him and what would happen if he was there during the invasion. But, you know, I mean, that's what's so great. You know, like, that's life. You know, you can't, you can write only so much of your story and then the rest of it's written for you. <laughs> yeah, and you get you get that a little bit in like the, you, you don't really like in the beginning of the book where he's talking about like, hey, if this had not happened, I would never met your wife. And it's just like all yeah. these kind of coincidences. But, and it's, it's, it's cool. He sees, his, he sees his life as this flowing narrative connected to his faith. I mean. He's definitely like a pebble in, in, in a stream, you know, yeah. during this entire thing. And, and that's, yeah, I mean, like, I totally like, like that part where he's basically like, yeah, it was crappy, but you know what? I met the, the love of my life. And like, and I, I totally, absolutely love stuff like that because I kind of feel the same way about, you know, me personally. Like I, you know, went through a lot of crappy stuff in my life, but you know what? I I met the love of my life through all that. So you know what, Mike, it's okay. Aww, you know, so sweet. Yeah, we'll get through. Yeah, it. yeah, and then this, this is the again, as Darcy said earlier, like the beauty of hindsight. Like like a Sampong is is able to at the at, you know in the eighties at this you know, nice nice dinner table kind of fit his story into this like nice narrative to pass on to the next generation. And now it's passed on to us through this, this great comic. Um, and it's, it's cool. I just like, I like it a lot. I like oral st- storytelling is so cool to me. Um, and I like that it kind of gets a great, great homage in, in this book. Mm-hmm. It's the original storytelling. So yeah. So it started. I mean, yeah, I, I know. Like when I think of oral storytelling, I'm like, how the fuck, did these Greek like bards or whatever like keep like twenty four books of the Iliad plus all, all these other stories that we don't even have that weren't you know mm-hmm. important enough to in a, in scare quotes to write down like how do they they memorize and part of me is just like I don't know maybe like they didn't have the internet they didn't have all these distract electric lights distract like that's like all they had to focus on I don't 
I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not an anthropologist, but you put I, that stuff to music. It's easier to remember. Yeah. Exactly. True. Yeah. You know that's why you know, like the Bible. It, it's a chorus, since uh, you know, like mm-hmm. their verses, their their songs. Um, Make that shit rhyme. Yeah, and um, no, and like, and like actually, um, anthropologically speaking, for what I remember of my old studies is that that people back then, before you were able to write everything down, they were everyone inherently had the better memory. Because they Ooh. couldn't write things down, like right, you, yeah, and, and and actually to this day, if someone is illiterate, then they actually um, tend to have a better memory than those who who can read because they have to remember everything. They they don't have a they don't have the crutch of of, of putting something down and remembering it later. Yeah, that's thank you, thank you for that insight. That's something I've always just thought about, and I thank you for that having that academic background and. Um, yeah, but that makes that makes a lot of like logical sense for sure. Um, having that extra, having that extra RAM, I guess. <laughs> That's why I can't remember anything anymore. Because <laughs> I got the internet and books and. <laughs> right, that's a thing. Yeah. You can just like keep notes on your phone, copy and paste. Yeah, right. You're you're so right. It's mm-hmm. like no wonder my memory sucks. Well, it's just like our our you know our parents' generation. They they had all the phone numbers memorized, you know, and now like. Do you know anyone's phone number off the top of your head? I know my I know my dad's, and the only reason why is it because it's it's one digit off from. Mine. Yeah, it's, it's literally not, the only. Like, it's not yeah. it's not necessary anymore. You yeah. know, like like I I can honestly tell you any, any phone number I've learned since nineteen ninety nine. I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Um. So, did you guys have any last thoughts on a papaya salad? Brian. Um. Uh, no, we, I think we've said everything. You know, um, I did, did thoroughly enjoy it. It was a, it was definitely a great read. I'm hoping with the in the year and this, you know, that, that um, with like the the award season coming soon, that it gets recognized because it's definitely was quite enjoyable. And I feel this is definitely one of those books that's gonna, you know, that's gonna resonate with me and hopefully resonate with a lot of other people. I, again, really, really enjoyed it. I think if you've been to Thailand, there's a lot of it that really, really stands out as, you know, very, very nostalgic. Logan pointed out that the kind of chapter breaks uh, were the recipe for papaya salad, which was fantastic. And it kind of began and ended with making papaya salad, eating and making papaya salad, which was really great. Um, It begins with entering Bangkok from the airport and you go down through traffic and then you go into this um, suburb, which looks exactly where one of my friends lives. And just having that experience reading it was literally like going to a friend's house. The house looks like my friend's house. The way it's laid out looks like my friend's house. The dinner table looked like my friend's dinner table. That's great. Just reading this book was kind of like going for a visit to my second home. It's just such a pleasant experience. And 
for a for a war story if you are sort of a world war ii fanatic which so many people are so many people love to read stories about world war ii <laughs> yeah, uh, war. It, it's it's a thing people love world oh, war ii yeah. stories yeah. <laughs> this is a sort of world war ii story that you don't read it's the sort of story about family about humanity which we've already said uh that you just don't see this when it comes to world war ii stories so i think more people should read it as a different sort of perspective about that war because it, it does illuminate a side that you don't normally see yeah this this is one book that i could definitely i would could easily be used in like the classroom for any kind of like mm -hmm. for i mean for for, for you know I, just as a comic like just showing the 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 power of comic storytelling the colors different different panel layouts like using the nine panel grid for the and the metaphor the bridge game as like kind of a romance mm -hmm. um kind of you yeah like like playing yeah so you get that um and then but then you also get like the historical perspective um which could make it interesting to use in like a history class because yeah like i don't think i've ever thought about world war ii from the thai perspective like I think I knew vaguely from looking at like a map. Actually, screw that. Um, I knew that from from access the game Axis and Allies, because 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 yeah. it's uh, I knew Thailand yeah. was neutral. That's like I knew it was neutral, because um, that's like all I knew about like Thailand's involvement in World War Two was that it was a neutral country. Um, but it it was just so much more and and um, and also yeah and also like there's there's just so many just fun imagery and metaphors and it was so beautiful like. Like, yeah, like a recipe is a story and, you know, you go on these blogs and people tell their whole life story before getting the ingredients, which is a little <laughs> annoying, but also, so it's annoying. Like, I guess, but, but this like kind of incorporate the ingredients into the story. Like it, it gets, yes. bad, obviously. Um, but yeah, yeah. And I definitely think like, yeah, it definitely will be on some awards lists and, and, but for like good reasons. Cause it's like, it's like, it's not just like, uh, you know, like a bi like a biography or like a history book. It's like, it's like, it's like a you know a masterpiece as well of of craft too. It's not um, awards fodder. It's yeah. it's actually award porn, if you will. You know, yeah. it's 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 actually very well done. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not you know telling the story of World War Two from the perspective of one of the most privileged people ever. Cough the king's speech. Um, it's it's a perspective from you know. Just a simple man trying to trying to make his way through the world and see more of the world, who happens to be you know, in the middle of one of the most like, you know, insane conflicts of the 20th century and just seeing the world change before his very eyes. Um, yeah, so yeah, definitely definitely check it out. You know, like I think this is one that like this could this is a comic that could like touch like so many different people. So like definitely got five stars from me on Goodreads. <laughs> mm -hmm. oh yay good yeah reads. yeah so uh mixed bag about that but yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should definitely check it out like it's like history touch of magical realism out of like biography um cool kind of mythical and religious elements in it too and politics like it's 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 the full package for sure and kudos to darcy for recommending it as it kind of rose through the ranks of the show yeah, thank you. <laughs> it, got a, it got its own. It'll be cool, like to kind of go back to those episodes and listen to segments. It got promoted. The book, so. It did get promoted. Yeah, and also kudos to Dark Horse for finding these great comics and translating them. Exactly. Absolutely. You know, dumbasses like me who speak like English and maybe 
a few words of Spanish, a few words of Latin. <laughs> and, and there's there's so much there's there's a lot of risk when it comes to translating because even if you do translate it well, you know it might just culturally not you know resonate with with the people that you're translating it for. So I mean, it's great risk and definitely great reward on this one. Yeah, I think. I think yeah, I think there's always an odd like people like people like magical realism uh, yeah. a lot, and people yeah, World War II is like the most commercially, it's just so it's like the most commercially successful war because yeah, <laughs> I feel there's this whole cottage industry around it like, <laughs> um, but but then but then it's like yeah, you thought you knew World War II, but as Darcy said, like different perspective, the but, yeah. perspective, yeah, it's 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 a really awesome comic. Cool. So we're gonna we're gonna quickly move over to, on to our looking forward. So Brian, which um, indie comics are you looking forward to in the upcoming week? So I put down uh, next week, uh, volume three of the collected editions of Ronan Island, is coming out from um, Boom Studios, uh, written by Greg Pack and Giannis Milo Giannis. I really hope I said that right. Really good artist. Um, <laughs> yeah, and so it. it um, I, if, for those who don't know, Ronan Island is kind of a, a Japanese feudal story with monsters. Um, it's it's about this island of, of essentially misfits and transplants that um, had their own little society with with their with their own faults. And and um, one day, a a general from the mainland comes and basically tells them all that they need to join up with the new shogun because there's you know there's these monsters that are are wreaking havoc and only the shogun can can help them um and um well it doesn't turn out to be really that way and so it this has the story kind of you know through samurai slash monster story tells about isolation about you know like keep you know um also kind of dealing with the perceptions of others um of you know of who you are versus what people view view you as because the um the kind of the main character is um i believe i believe they're korean um and most of this island are japanese and so she's looked down upon because she's not japanese mm -hmm. and and then the 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 other main character of the story is the the son of a shogun slash like the the town leader and they're kind of best friends but then the the boy's mom doesn't like it because she's you know she's korean even though they're on a small island where nationalism <laughs> doesn't matter anymore because they're all one village but of course people will find a way to be racist <laughs> so they um and so essentially it like this is the last part of the story where the girl has to decide whether or not the island that has she's called home but also has treated her so poorly is worth saving so yeah, that's cool yeah and, and greg pock is um i think his uh his uh, dad is korean american so he i know and like like you know amadeus joe but he, he tells a lot of stories from like korean pov so he so uh, it, it seems like he's drawing on his own experience in that story. And yeah, that's one that I've seen around and I really like um, Giannis, uh, many Giannis's art is really good. Um, but I, I haven't read it yet, but you know, I might. So it's it's wrapping up with this volume? Oh yeah, this is the, the last uh, okay. volume they collected. The, cool. um, all the single issues have been out for about a year now. Um, oh. It was a very good story. I definitely, yeah, I like, it's, yeah. 
it's in my favorites of this year, definitely. Yeah, so I, I guess they're all out. Good time to catch up. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Darcy, uh, what are you looking forward to this afternoon? Uh, I am looking forward to the picture of everything else, number one, which is a vault comic by Dan Waters and Kishore Mohan. Um, it is basically like uh, beginning of the 20th century. Also in Paris, which I just realized <laughs> again, I don't know what's going on. That was completely unintentional. France is uh, a great comics country. Apparently, I'm just France is going crazy with comics yeah. with me and yeah, you well, right in, now. In general, yeah. France, just, get it yeah, on. Yeah. Apparently. Uh, it's um, the guy who painted uh, the portrait of Dorian Gray uh, has migrated to France and is his paintings I don't know how I'm saying this uh, there are murders in Paris and uh, some thieves come in to steal uh, one of his paintings I think is how this is going and so the guy who painted the portrait is going to be I think the main character of this series I think is what's going on. This this guy is going to be the the character, and he's going to paint different things. Uh, one of the like in issue two, I think there's the Kraken or something is on the cover. The Kraken or maybe like an actual Kraken. Either the Kraken or Cthulhu, something's on the Whoa, cover. Whoa, that's I'm not dope. entirely sure. That's, that's, uh, that's really dope. <laughs> there's tentacles, yeah, exactly. There's some sort of tentacles. But yeah, he's just kind of moving through and painting weird crap. And, you know, it's the dude who painted Dorian Gray, so he's got magical painting powers. <laughs> so it looks interesting. The art looks kind of cool. Um, comes out December 23rd. So it's very kind of retro, early 20th century stuff. So I'm, I'm interested. I like Dorian Gray. I like creepy shit. And I'm here for it. Don't forget, Vault, like, can't go wrong with Vault. No. Apparently, I can't go wrong with Vault. <laughs> <laughs> no, and yeah, this is on my, obviously on my poll list, like I said before, anything that's Vault essentially is on my poll list. Like, yeah, at the, yeah. At least the first issue is. Right, and, for sure. Um, this is also the second week uh, in a row of Dan Waters, uh, um, number one, being being a recommend for, or looking forward. He's Man, that's <laughs> crazy. He had two comics. Is it really? Yeah, home, yeah. Home, home Did sick. I completely forget that? Oh, Homesick Pilots, yeah, which was really totally good, by the way. That. Homesick Pilots was uh, was Dan Waters as well, which, um, no, this, but this looks like a completely different comic than yeah. that, or Coffin Bound, which uh, which he's kind of famous for as well. Um, how much is he doing work? Yeah, he's doing uh, a lot of work. He's right doing like what, like oh. three, two or three books. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, no, That's no, true. and it, and it, yeah, it definitely seems like because Dan Waters' books always have like a. A good like literary quality to them but he doesn't like mm-hmm. overwrite he like no he's he's a really good collaborator like like coffin bound like he like he lets danny draw these like crazy like fight scenes and chases and stuff and just i mean she's so talented um yeah, totally so and yeah so it's cool yeah he's having apparently having a really good december 2020 so apparently to him, you know dropping I- the books I started finally busting out my uh, omnibuy of the the James Robinson Starman, and I am right now in the the story arc where the it, the the person who inspired Oscar Wilde to write the picture of Dory, Dorian Gray has the uh, the painting that uh, has a demon inside it that's that's uh, kidnapping people. So 
like I'm all for right now for War Dorian Gray. Goodness. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. He he and I guess he was in the maybe in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen ones. There's so many characters in those books. That, yes. Yes, gonna, he was. Okay. Yes, he was. Okay. Okay, good. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. He he has a nice little comics niche. Good, good for him. Well, he's he's you know, he's sexy and evil. He's mm-hmm. totally there for comics. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to Okay. Um yeah. And then he's not I evil. And, he's depraved. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So my what I'm looking forward to this week is uh, the Reckless hardcover by uh, Ed Brubaker, Sean Phillips, and Jacob Phillips. I mean, it's Brubaker, Phillips, enough said. But um, <laughs> but one, one, and this one's set in like 80s LA, so really cool, cool kind of setting. And it's also one they've been kind of advertising as their hero story because they they usually tell you know stories about criminals now they're telling one about more of a kind of anti-hero like type um during the kind of like for at least for hollywood was kind of like the golden age of the anti-heroes you, you know the death wish and the dirty harry and you know mm-hmm. you get in the 80s the more action-driven stuff but uh, um yeah so i'm like really excited to see them uh i don't know to see this new character and it's called reckless and there's going to be three books in the series it's like like a like a series of novels. Honestly, I like Brubaker and Phillips are pretty much just doing like they're taking like this whole crime fiction prose model and uh, like applying it to comics and doing just kind of very regular releases, which is really nice. Um, and I also yeah like and then and, you know Phillips doesn't have to worry about the uh, monthly schedule for art. He can just you know uh, kill it, kill these different cool like settings. So yeah, I'm really, and that that comes out this week and I'm really excited and. Um, they already came to Pulp this year, so it's like, whoa, we get a double double dip. But I think this one is a little bit longer. Pulp was like that short kind of novella format, which I like a lot. Like, that's like, I really think that is the future of, of like American indie comics, because you got you know Pulp, you get the, and then you get the Fraction, Charretier, um, November stuff, and I really wish more people would do those kind of things. But not everything has to be like a three hundred page epic, yeah. uh, for sure. So yeah, I'm excited about that. So, all right. Very now cool. it's time for plugs. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start lead off and plug the podcast. So you can find uh, us on the website, uh, comicsisarebetter.wordpress.com. Brian runs the website, um, doing good work over there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can find us over on Twitter at cdbpod. Um, yeah, just yeah, follow us, interact with us, have fun. Uh, I don't know. And then uh, you can also follow Comics Sister Better on all the your podcast platforms, Google, Spotify, iTunes, um, all the good, the ones that I, I haven't thought of. So, yeah. Uh, so, Brian, where can folks find you online? Uh, Instagram, Brian, Brian, B-R-A-I-J-I-N underscore C-B. And Twitter is uh, Brian2814. Um, I also actually um, have a, I've been working on a um, holiday playlist on spotify um it's about 100 songs um it's very eclectic it's very much your traditional carols plus a diff- like a lot of great renditions of different songs plus a lot of good modern stuff i mean i got everything from you know bing crosby to the vandals on there so <laughs> it's it's all over the place um and so if, if you're interested in that um 
um, DM me and I will send you the link or maybe we'll put the URL on Twitter or something, but uh, definitely want to share it. Cool. Yeah, man. You, you always get stuck on those road trips and your mom's like, put on some Christmas music and you're just like, but I got, I got you now. You, you, you saved me, man. You yep, saved me. Right now it's five hours worth. So that's, that's <laughs> perfect. That's perfect. I think that's, yep. yeah, that's, that's more than enough. And uh, yeah, Darcy, where can folks find you online? Uh, I am at books underscore serial on Twitter, and I have a website, booksandserial.wordpress.com. Marvel Unlimited locked me out of <gasps> Jessica Jones' serial oh. box, so instead I wrote about uh, Marvel's Wastelanders podcast that they're going to do next year, um, so that was fun. Looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be on Sirius, so that kind of sucks. But you know, hey, fuck? Wastelander is going to get Old Man Logan and Grace Widow and Old Man, what's that other dude? Star Lord, Old oh. Man Hawkeye as well. Old Man Quill. Old Man Quill, yeah. They call him Old Man. <laughs> There's Star-Lord. so many fucking old men. Like lots of old yeah. men. But like, I'm what, hoping. What do they? What do they do? Like. Marvel, Marvel, like, is hitting that retirement home. They're hitting it's... that retirement home, but I'm hoping they also do the younger Wasteland characters that were in Avengers of the Wasteland. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't read any Waste of that stuff. Of so. Oh, that was such a good book. I okay. totally recommend it. It was fun. Very cool. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, you can find me at uh, Midniner Bay, uh, B-A-E, on Twitter, and at Pride Parker, uh, P-R-Y-D-E, on Instagram, I'm uh, doing promoting my work on Instagram, and you can find my comics writing at uh, Graphic Policy. I am and TV writing too. I'm reviewing Barbarian Red Planet this week, and I'm also it's the Mandalorian season finale, so probably expect two thousand words on that that motherfucker. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, and also yeah, and then I'm also continuing my uh, uh, Phonogram Singles Club, as I mentioned earlier. Um, I just wanted to. It's a so I'm doing that um, through the holidays. So yep, got issue two coming up. So yeah, so yeah, just read more awesome and you can read read history comics, read French comics, read comics with Dorian Gray as a protagonist. Just lots of good stuff. And again, comics make great holiday gifts. So, mm-hmm. All right, peace.